This is HPR episode 2267 entitled Our Digital Art. It is hosted by Sigflup and is about 30 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Sigflup and Sis talk about digital art and what it means to them. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Listening to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Sigflup, Sigflup Sinislobble, also known as Assembly Assembly, also known as Thea the Silva. In this uh, edition of HPR, I'm going to talk about art, um, specifically my art and my friend Cicero Alice Verox's art, um, both of which is digital. We both do digital, digital art. And so, as digital artists, our um, our our, uh, our canvas is the pixel and the light. It doesn't really our art doesn't really exist on a canvas. It exists sort of this in this ethereal memory that uh, happens to be in computers. And uh, so that's important. Um, you know, as it's we're living in the future, right? And uh, so um, reality is dominated mostly by the camera and. Uh, in film and stuff like that. This is what is real, quote-unquote. And uh, so art um, has sort of... It needs to grow up. I mean, I'm okay, that's that's really bad. That's a really bad thing to say. I love, I love art. I love a lot of artists. Um, traditional or not. Um, but, uh, but we need to welcome digital art, which I don't think a lot of people are doing. Um, because it is... We're living in the future, right? And things are digital. And uh, it um, by no means just diminishes uh, art if you do it on the computer. And so I do art on the computer. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a tablet or anything like that. I'll, t- I'll tell you about my technique really quick. I don't really have a tablet. I uh, um, draw with the mouse. And so I, I draw like an outline of the mouse. And then I add another layer and I, I draw over the outline. To where the, the shadows are going to be. I'm going to draw the shadows and then I kind of smudge things into place. I really like the smudge tool. And uh, then I like frame different areas and I spray paint and I smudge some more and, and then I draw a little bit more. And so that's my technique. It involves a lot of smudging, smudging and spray painting and having layers. And uh, the, the cool thing about computers is uh, you have ownership of it. Like uh, those who control the cameras, those who control the editing, uh, when it comes to um, camera-based reality, um, controls you. 
And so you, drawing art with the same stuff that controls the camera and, uh, and whatnot, um, is very empowering. I, I think it's kind of evolved from... Um, so you have television and you have a remote control. You can change the channel with the remote control. I think that's the first layer of freedom when it, when it comes to, uh, to um, stuff that is primarily seen on a display or a CRT or an LCD or an OLED display or anything like that. And uh, so that was the first thing. Then, like, Pong came out. And it's not like it's not like uh, we were like, oh my god, this, this simulation of Pong is so accurate and enchanting that I can use it and get better at doing Pong. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's, no, you're like, oh my god, there are pixels on the screen, and it's moving, is more the reaction. And so you're, you're, you're freeing your, the pixels on the screen. And so to draw entirely in a digital medium uh, means that you control a lot <laughs> of what the box, this computerish thing that dominates your life, uh, you can control it and create art with it. And I think that's very, I think that's very, very special. Um, the criticism, I think the, the main criticism of digital art um, is um, you can take shortcuts. Like you can trace, you have layers and stuff like that. But, uh, um, and uh, you, you, gotta, you gotta keep in mind that, uh, um, okay, so watch David Hockney's Secret Knowledge, that thing, that show on YouTube. It's about an hour and 11 minutes long. And it talks about um, art being drawn through the lens, or a mirror, or a, a concave mirror, or a convex lens. Lens, and uh, so, which has been doing, but people have been doing that for a while. And so, like to ascribe the only utility um, that um, shortens things as digital. I don't know if that makes sense, but is is um is a bit ignorant <laughs> like uh we we've been we've, yeah it's, it's a bit ignorant and uh it's truly transformative i think that's the important part if you if you sketch the shadows of a picture or you sketch the uh the uh the highlights or the very very dark shadows um through the process of making it in the computer, it's often often transformative, which is is important because uh, that's defines you know that's where art comes from. And uh, so, yeah, there are there are two, you know, there, there are two things about art. Um, one is the story that the uh, the subject um, has, and the other is the story that uh, the artist has. And I, I think this is especially relevant relevant when it comes to portraits. I like to draw portraits of people and uh, be them real or not. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's. I try and convey my story with them. I don't necessarily convey their story, which is uh, <laughs> a bit strange. But uh, yeah, so uh, both Sis and I have schizophrenia, and we have been trying to express that in our art. I can say that for myself, I'm not exactly sure about her, but, but like. Um, like the horror of of not knowing what's real, um, be it delusional or or or, uh, or hallucination, is um, something that I want to capture, and I've been trying to capture it for a while. I haven't really been able to do it. Is uh, 
I have groups of three. There, there are three entities in my life. There's 20, 22, and 10. And then there, there are two voices that I hear. And that is uh, 58 and 74. And so, like, I have three skulls or a, or a face with uh, two faces peeking out of, of bloody holes and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what I explore. Um, I use the GIMP. The GIMP is my friend. I also use uh, Blender and uh, um, Inkscape. I make logos as well. And, uh, um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk to Cicero. All right, I'm here with uh, Alice Ferox, who is a digital artist. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate having the opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Um, what kind of work do you do? Well, uh, I would say it's mostly photography-based, and those pretty much take form of prints and digital images. So, And a lot of that is just taking pictures of myself. And ah. those, those uh, photos end up reflecting either my schizophrenic self or the emotional day-to-day, things like that. And... Uh, I always just had an interest in portraiture, so I guess that's kind of where it comes from. Mm, okay. Do you have any? Uh, um, do you have any artists that uh, you've drawn inspiration from, or uh, or? Um... Yeah, uh, my inspiration comes from like kind of occulty, witch housey type stuff, and sometimes that may be things that I either see or hear. Um, but I guess I would describe myself as a magical type photographer that puts a little bit of macabre in the mix to make images that I do. Hmm. How long have you been dealing with photography? Well, uh, it depends who you ask, but uh, I guess my interest in photography sort of started in high school. Hmm. Uh, but I had a bad relationship with photography because I ended up having a professor in high who ended up being uh, a bit of a purist when it came to photography. And uh, I'm the type of person that likes to mess up my photographs. So yeah. I had a bit of an aversion to photography at first, but um, it definitely grew on me. So I've been doing that uh, probably since around 2000. I see. So you use, uh, at the, the moment you use digital cameras, I take it. Yep, um, I was I was uh, trained at MCAD in Minneapolis and uh, uh, with film and processing uh, silver gelatin prints and color color film as well. But uh, I've always had a love for digital photography, and, and I still focus in that regard. So uh, I appreciate being taught film, but my home is in the digital. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, mine. Mine too. <laughs> how do you How do you feel like How do you feel about the recognition that digital artists get in in mainstream art? Do you think it's it's um, kind of frowned upon, or, or or how do you feel about um, How do you feel about that? Well, there's different barriers that digital artists have, whether it be a digital photographer or illustrator. Or just about anything digital, and there's um, there there's a bit of resentment from traditional artists, I, su- I suppose. Yeah. Um, whether that be from the way our processes work, and the way 
I, I understand digital art is that yeah there is there is a bit of a you know of a shortcut um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing it doesn't mean that the quality of the work is suffering it's just a different medium yeah and so I just really appreciate all digital art um, because it's just it's something that I I grew up with you know I've always had a digital camera and although I appreciate the elements of film you know it's just it's just the, the convenience of it is wonderful and the ability to make mistakes and and not not let that bog you down is great as well yeah so I, I have a great appreciation for digital art and it'd be it'd be wonderful if uh traditional artists would uh, cut some digital artists some slack in that regard. Yeah. Well, have you heard of David Hockney, out of curiosity? No, tell me about David Hockney. He's, uh, he's still alive. He's, uh, I believe he's still alive. Jesus Christ, let's hope so. But he's, uh, um, he's uh, an artist, kind of a traditional artist who's gotten into um, drawing stuff on iPads. And All right. So he has shows of stuff that's drawn on an iPad. <laughs> and stuff like that and uh, kind of he uh, goes through the normal channels about getting things on shows and stuff like that you know what I mean like galleries rather and uh, right. yeah so he's he's right interesting he's, he's one interesting character well I did a quick google on uh, Im- images on him and I, I can see what you, uh, you're saying with, uh, with drawing on the iPad which is wonderful because digital art digital, digital art you know the platform itself is so much more accessible. Yeah. Yeah, anyone who has a laptop can... Yeah, anyone has a laptop, and there's so many free programs for either drawing or photography. It's just, it's very accessible, you know, medium. So, so yeah, this, uh, yeah, this begs the question, what, what software do you use usually? Well, um, right now I'm still using Photoshop and Lightroom. Um, but my beginnings were actually with Paint Shop Pro, and it was basically a cheaper version of Photoshop. Yeah. And while I still do my pirating now, it was a it was a great introduction to what is possible in photo manipulation. Yeah. And so I've grown up since then from Paint Shop Pro, but. Um, my home is in Photoshop and Adobe products right now, but I have used uh, GIMP on occasion, and a wonderful prefer- a pre- free program that that is. Oh yeah, I, I'm all I'm familiar with GIMP. What do you what do you yeah. do in what do you do in GIMP every once in a while? Like, what does it offer that that Photoshop does not? Well, I don't know if it, uh, I know what it offers uh, in Photoshop that I don't use because the there's so many tools in all these programs. Yeah, and I use a fraction of them. Uh, I'm I'm more of a person who layers up images, so yes. I appreciate the layering system in these programs. Yeah, and um, the different filters they provide, and you know, like whether whether it be the white balance or you know different the different curves or things like that to manipulate the images in whatever way I see fit. So I always appreciated the geniusness that layers ended up being for yes. digital artists and photographers. It's just, I don't know what I would do without it. Yeah. So 
fundamental to my making. I'm sorry, what was the very last thing you said? You said, um, still the menting to my making? Oh, I was saying uh, it's uh, very fund- fundamental to my making, so my making process. Oh, okay, cool. But if I didn't have the layers, you know, I don't know what I would be doing. <laughs> it's, it's just so core. Yeah. So that's the that's the key feature of these programs is the layers. Yep, that's that's one of the things I appreciate most most about those things. I don't know if I'd be able to use them if I in in the way that I want to if without that. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I used to make MS Paint art. If you are familiar with that program. Yeah, I am very familiar with that uh, MS Paint and uh, Kid Picks. Those yeah. were great. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. So. Um, one one kind of annoyance for me is coming up with artist statements. I, I'm wondering if you feel the same way, maybe? I I do feel the same way, and I do have my artist statements. Um, that was one of the things I had to do in my undergrad, is come up with your artist statements. Yeah. And I don't think... Because my artist statement was so incoherent even to me, <laughs> uh, it was almost, it was useless. And they kept asking me to make this artist and figure out what the art is about and what I want to do with my art and yeah. wh- what kind of position I'm coming from. And it, and it, it was until after I graduated where I realized that I wanted to make artwork that was about my experience, yeah. who I am. And in all the, you know, gender twisted, darkish ways that I express myself and thought about myself so I don't know I mean there's 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 a comfort that comes with knowing uh, what you want to write in your artist statement and finally coming to that conclusion mm-hmm. um, but it's a it's an ever-evolving paragraph you know it, it yeah. never stays the same and it, it needs to evolve with you so I don't know. I don't place a huge amount of importance on it, and I don't like to stress about my artist statement too much. But I also recognize the need for one um, when it comes to presenting it, your artwork to perhaps galleries. Yeah. But that's not necessarily something I do anymore, and I'm more of a print-on-demand type artist. Yeah. So the artist statement has kind of gone to the wayside. Hmm. Have you ever have you ever considered making a book of your art? I have uh, thought of it, and I have done it actually. Oh, really? And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I have a few books on Amazon. They're what? Yep, they're they're photographic books. Um, very little text to accompany them, but it's how- been a few years since I've made made up made a book. How can we how can we find this on Amazon? Like, what should we search for? Uh, well, you can probably search for Cicerel Alice Ferox. That's my full name um, on Amazon. And it should come up. It's uh, S-I-S-S-O-R-E-L-L-E. Alice Ferox. S-E-R-E. Yeah. E-R-O-S. Fleeting brainwaves yeah. and mind cocktails. Yep. So that's that's one of them. That's probably... I can't even remember this thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's 2014. July 25th, 2014. Yep. 
Oh, you, you're, it's really hard to hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was just saying, I, I did a monthly magazine uh, in 2012 and 2013 for a while, but uh, the project has been shelved permanently. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So how did you how did you publish the your book on Amazon your books how did you publish feeling brainwaves and mind cocktails? Did you... Well, um, that is through a uh, another website called Create Space, and I believe they um, are a sibling company of Amazon, and they allow wow. you to publish things for free, and it's been it's been wonderful. It's a great way to publish your stuff with uh, no risk to you and they'll send you uh, a copy to proof it and yeah. so you can see what that looks like in real life and so I've just been doing that cool yeah that's, that's awesome I, I published mine through uh, um, lulu.com oh right yeah I do not have an ISP on it yet um, I can order one from them for like $20 or something like that but, oh, uh, so. that's outrageous! <laughs> yes, well, I I guess the ISBNs come from this company called Boker, and oh. uh, so it'd be cheaper, less con less constricting. I I think that I don't know how they constrict their um the how how that works with Lulu, but if you get it through Boker, I I understand that you can go to any publisher with the same ISBN. Oh, is that right? Well, yeah, helpful to know. Crate space. Hmm. Yeah. I know they will give you an ISV 10 and 13 uh, included. Ah, so. okay. Right on. Right. So who's uh? It's it. Who's been the subject of your of your photography uh, aside from yourself? Like I'm. I'm um. Well, I have a very limited uh, subject matter uh, in regards to people. So yeah, that includes Diana, my partner, and um. That's just just about it you know <laughs> i'm i'm a bit of a recluse an introvert and that means i interact with very little that i uh, and i'm a bit anxious when it comes to photographing other people mm. deep, i'm deep. very comfortable with myself but not so much other people which is the worst thing to say as someone who calls himself a portrait photographer <laughs> yeah the truth comes out yeah, the truth is out all there, laid to bear. Yeah, do you feel so, that? Do you feel that it's their their scrutiny of uh, the photographs? Is do you think that's? Um, do you think that has a part to do with it? Well, um, yeah, I I scrutinize myself. Uh, I'm very critical of myself being able to photograph such a limited audience. Yeah, and and and. I would love to expand that, but I'm still working out how to position my subjects and direct them in a way that I I want them to be directed. And it's not yeah. it's not that I haven't photographed other people. My career was originally built photographing many many families and people. Yeah. Um, it's just that I'm not so I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to capture who they are. I think I want to make stories about them. Mm. And when you approach somebody saying, I want to make a photograph of you, but I don't want to tell your story. I want to tell my story about huh. you. 
Yeah. Uh, people are a bit taken aback by that. So yeah. I would love to get more people, but I'm still trying to cross that bridge. Mm. Yeah, the, uh, um, it's, I don't know, I think art is a reflection of the beholder. You know what I mean? Like right. uh, the beholder being you. <laughs> right. So that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it, it, and I think it makes sense to me too right now. So, and, and, photographing myself i'm always a willing participant you know so that is a that is an immediate barrier that's broken you know and it's much more accessible for me yes so um where do you see your art in the world right um that's an amazing question i frequently ask myself that um, but I think I think they lie on the internet. To be frankly honest, is that they they lie in a digital space. There, I don't really make a lot of prints anymore, and yeah. I find gallery exhibitions um, to be a bit dishonest when it comes to you know displaying my work. I, I like the idea of it living in intangible realm hmm what's a, a okay stepping back a little bit what do you what do you think that like you said that gallery galleries don't really um there's some agenda behind them or, or i don't understand what you're saying but much that they, they have an agenda is just that mind um, you I've, I've never been in a gallery so this is me right. like completely no. not knowing no that's okay it's uh they Galleries are great for a whole host of artists, and I was, you know, I I did my undergrad with a full knowledge that I was going to display my work in a gallery, and I've done that, uh, and I did that for many years, but it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. You have a, you have a more limited audience, it seems, and yeah. the internet is accessible, and the gallery for me is extremely highbrow and I make artwork that you don't have to think about that you don't have to write a paragraph for that I that you just find interesting or beautiful on its own and I feel like the gallery setting hinders some of those things and I, I, I just like the idea of having an online gallery you know yeah. It's always available for the public to see. And it's and it's living, you know, in every person's home or mobile device. I, I really mm. enjoy that concept. Yeah. More than the gallery. So you're you're a pretty hardcore digital um digital artist. Yeah, I would say so. I've really embraced digital art, you know, yeah. and living on the internet and creating our own spaces, you know, and it's it's so much easier and so much more accessible, and you yeah. can make that space any way you want. Yeah, and I just love it. Any like any kid with a a, a laptop can can do a lot. And, yeah, uh, it's and you can make a free website, you know, anywhere. Yeah, and make your own gallery. That's not something people can do in real life you know ask somebody to whip up a gallery in real life real quick it's it's a lot harder do you uh um this is another question kind of in the regards to uh um artist statements um 
for myself, I find... Um... Hold on. I find that uh, um, the name of pieces is kind of... I, like... You know what I mean? Like, they have a problem naming pieces? Yeah! Oh, I can, I can see... I can see what you're saying. And I don't think that's exclusive to you. Many artists have trouble, you know, naming their pieces. That's why you see so many untitled number seven or an untitled number 56. Ah, yeah. But I don't know if I've always shared that struggle other artists have naming their pieces. Yeah. Namely because a lot of my titles for my pieces come from music. Oh, okay. And uh, increasingly most of those pieces are either one or two words uh-huh. and it's usually a section of a song or a section of a lyric that ends up being the name of my piece. Huh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny how that, that comes about because I wouldn't describe my artwork all that musical. <laughs> yeah, huh. Well, thank you. It's been a lovely time talking to you. Well, thank you for reaching out to me. It was a pleasure and thank you for your questions. Yeah, no problem. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.